This is Lee Cure, a podcast for conversations from the heart of the continent on Indigenous languages, music, culture, and art in the Age of Reconciliation. Thank you, merci, and miigwech for listening. Anin Oju Tansi. I am Brina Link, the communications assistant for Lee Cure, Heart of the North. And hello, I'm Hannah Connolly, the production assistant. To give some context to this podcast, Lee Cure, Riel's Heart of the North is a dramatic musical written by Métis poet and librettist Dr. Suzanne Steele and composer Neil Wisenzel. The words Lee Cure mean the heart in the Métis language of Machif. Dr. Steele is writing the text of Lee Cure in the indigenous language of Anishinaabe Moin, which is the language of the Soto and Ojibwe peoples, and three dialects of Lee Michifs, as well as French and English. This project is in collaboration with a large team of Indigenous translators, Deborah Beach Ducharme, Donna Beach, Dr. Agathe Chartrand, Joyce Dumont, Dr. Lorraine Cachula-Vallée, Suzanne Zeka, Dr. June Bruce, Jules Chartrand, and Vernon de Montigny, as well as our archivist, Vic Froze. This musical explores the love and lives of Louis Riel's pre-resistant life the Métis and kin of the heart of the 1870s continent on fire with change. This production honors the enduring strength of Indigenous and Métis women. Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in today to episode 5 of our podcast. In creating this podcast, we are hoping to make space to explore the experiences of Indigenous and Métis creatives during this age of reconciliation. Today we will be sharing our conversation with Métis fiddler extraordinaire, Melissa St. Goddard. Hailing from Manitoba, Melissa learned fiddle from her uncles and has gone on to record an album of traditional Métis tunes. She has performed at events such as Back to Batosh, Aboriginal Music Week, and the Inspire Awards, as well as with the Lee Care production. She currently works as a fiddle teacher for many young students. We hope you enjoy learning a bit more about the Métis fiddling world. Well, thank you so much for being here today with us. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting. Yeah, we're really excited too. First of all, we have a very important icebreaker question that we didn't send you. Oh, so, no. <laughs> it's okay. I, I don't think it's too controversial. Okay. Um, <laughs> are you a coffee or a tea person? I am a tea person. Okay. I do what, not what? like coffee. I don't not at know all. what it is. I think when I was younger, I used to sneak sips of my mom's coffee, so... I just, I can't stand it now. I don't know what it is. (laughs) That's fair. So do you, are you like black tea, green tea, or just any tea? Just like orange Pico. I'm Mm, a very classic. The classic Cookham tea. It's always good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Melissa, could you tell us a little bit about your family history and background? Yes, I can. I'll start with my dad's side. Um, This is where the Métis part comes from. So that side, my dad's side of the family is from the small Métis community of St. Ambrose, Manitoba. My grandma is part of the well-known Lavely family out there, which has um, come up with lots of great singers, jiggers, and fiddlers. My uncle Darren Lavely is a well-known fiddler from out there. My cousin JJ Lavely, um, and they're both great singers as well. So, I mean, I've grown up around fiddling and jigging and singing all my life so actually my uncle Darren and my cousin JJ have both won the best fiddle album award so 
a little pressure on me, not, not going <laughs> to lie, just say. <laughs> but you know what? Growing up and watching them, you know, you never think that one day you're going to be doing the same thing, you know. So mm. it's just been an honor to grow up with that. And um, even just to jam with them and all that, you know, it's such an honor. And on the other side of my family, I also have another fiddler. So I have fiddlers on both sides. So on that side, um, my mom's brother, Mark Morris. So he was my first and only fiddle teacher. And um, he's well known in the area as well. He is more of an old time fiddler. So he is Métis as well. So he does both. But um, I grew up hearing both the old time and the Métis. So that's why I'm kind of a mix of both. You know, um, I really do love both styles. And it's kind of gives me my own style. So my mom's side there also is Ukrainian as well. So I have learned a bit of Ukrainian fiddle style, which is hmm. nice as well. Uh, my mom's dad is French from the small community of St. Claude. And it was actually um, her uncle from there that uh, helped me begin my journey to becoming a fiddle player, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. <laughs> so yes. I've been lucky to grow up with music on both sides. And hmm. it's really shaped who I am now. And I just, I'm really lucky that I grew up in that environment. So yeah, yeah that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So that kind of brings us right into our next question, which is what drew you to learn the fiddle? So if you want to just maybe tell us a bit about, yeah, how you actually started playing. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. grew up around it all. And, you know, I mm -hmm. never really thought I'd be doing it, you know, yeah. <laughs> you watch your family playing the fiddle and all this stuff. You never think that you're going to do it. So I grew up in a pretty large family. I have four sisters. So there was five of us. Mm-hmm. So my uncle from St. Claude, his name was Armin Jobin. He one day decided to get us involved in all this music business. So he went and bought us um, a bunch of instruments, which was really nice, you know, because we hadn't really had the chance to get the instruments, you know, growing up in such a large family. It's kind of hard, you know, for the parents and stuff. So, mm -hmm. so he took it upon himself to just at least give us the chance to try. So he bought us a drum kit, he bought a guitar, he bought and he bought two fiddles and a banjo. So he really gave us the chance wow. to try everything, <laughs> mm -hmm. which I appreciate so much, you know, looking back on it. So mm -hmm. um, originally, I <clears throat> was given the guitar. So mm -hmm. I gave it a try. I remember breaking a string. I remember my fingers being sore. And I remember it was <laughs> not for me. So <laughs> and my uh, younger sister, Demi, she had the fiddle to start so she was mm -hmm. already in lessons with um okay. my uncle mark morriso and she would bring it home and i'd ask her can i try what you learned today you know so i'd kind of just go through the, the sheets she got and hmm. try it myself and then i was just hooked after that so they ended up getting me a fiddle and me and my sister took lessons together hmm. and that is where it all started way back then <laughs> that's so cool yeah <laughs> I, I, I'm a guitar player and my sister is a fiddle player. Um, and yeah, like I was always breaking strings and I honestly can't remember. I don't think she ever broke strings. So it's definitely no. easier to break <laughs> strings on a guitar. <laughs> yeah, guitar is a little more scary in that yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we were just talking about your like kind of living up to the album of the years that your uncles have won. But in 2009, <laughs> you released your first CD and album. Did you write your own songs for that album? I did not write anything on this album. You know, I, it's really just a compilation of everything I'd learned over the years, mm -hmm. you know, 
all those good traditional Métis songs that everybody loves. And yeah, and really, I'm not a writer at this point, you know, I'm thinking maybe one day this song will come to my mind. But till then, you know, I'm just happy learning all these great tunes, mm -hmm. you know, there's so many out there. I have a book full of songs to learn. So wow. for now, that's what I'm going to work on. And if a tune comes to me in the meantime, you know, that'd be yeah. great because like, um, my uncles and my cousins, they write tunes. Like some people can just do that, you know, naturally mm -hmm. it comes to them. And you know what? That's amazing because then I can go and learn those tunes. So yeah. I really appreciate all those fiddlers that can just crack crack out great tunes you know and it's always great to know that you get to replay your uncle songs forever and ever right like once you know well, them exactly. and that's pretty like that's pretty awesome just on its own exactly mm -hmm. but have you released any albums since or are you working towards releasing another album um I'm not working on one currently but I've been thinking about it the past few years because when I look back at how long ago it was mm -hmm. I just can't <laughs> believe it like 2009 like it's been yeah, a decade that... since I put this album out you know it's like time flies I guess <laughs> and people are always like when's the next album and I'm like oh it's coming you know and then you realize okay it's been 10 years <laughs> it's time to start working on something so yeah, yeah. so in yeah. the near very near future I hope to start working on a new one I just I think it's time Mm -hmm. 10 years is a long time <laughs> that's cool sounds great okay so in 2014 you were invited to play at the aboriginal week um how did it feel to be on such a proud indigenous stage um it's always an honor to be invited to anything like that you know anytime you can go and represent the metis side of the community the music it's such an honor to be, be playing at stuff like that. I remember that gig and I believe Indian City was before mm -hmm. me and I was so nervous, you know, just watching these old pros <laughs> up there showing off their talent. And then you get up there and, you know, you're just showing off your craft. You're doing what you've done your whole life. So, and it's just, it's such an honor and hopefully I'll be invited to more in the future. I'm sure I will. So. Mm -hmm. I hope you do. I can't see why not. You're an amazing fiddle player. But, Thank you. But what was the process of choosing the music to best showcase the traditional Métis fiddling at such a big event? There's not really a process for me. I kind of just read off the crowd. So okay. mm -hmm. I'm not one to just make a set list per se because everything I play is traditional Okay. Métis, mm -hmm. So I'm not picking through this big repertoire. But yeah, a lot of it's reading off the crowd. So I remember that gig there's a lot of dancers in the crowd, so they weren't shy to get up and show a couple steps. So, you know, that's when you whip out a lot of the fast tunes. And then when they're getting mm -hmm. tired, you slow it down and let them have a break. So it's really mm -hmm. just, um, it's very casual, picking the tunes, just reading the crowd, all that kind of thing. <laughs> that must have been such good energy there. Oh, that would have been awesome to be there. <laughs> oh, yes, it was. So this is kind of a random question that I just came up with. Um, but so songs like Maple Sugar and Orange Blossom Special, uh, I saw that you've played those. They're on your YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, my sister used to play those too. Are those traditional Métis tunes? or? Um, they're not traditional Métis per se, right. but I think the Métis community has kind of sucked Embrace them up them. and <laughs> embraced them and kind of yeah. turned them into our staples, you know? So they yeah. almost become them after, you know, yeah. later yeah, on. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I know Orange Blossom Special is always so popular. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Definitely. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, I guess 
so the Aboriginal Music Week. Um, have there been any other highlights from your performance career thus far? Yes, I've got to do a lot of amazing things. A big one for me was probably the Inspire the Inspire Awards, 2018. So I got to play some backup fiddle for Indian City, and we played for the Ash and Stompers as the big finale, and it was hmm. such an amazing experience just being part of a production that big, mm-hmm. you know, to be on TV, and it's just like a week long of practicing and getting it all perfect and it's just it was so cool to see that side of entertainment and how far it can get you know so mm-hmm. so that was a big highlight but i mean some of the highlights are also the smaller stages so mm-hmm. for me a lot of my fondest memories are just playing in the old st ambrose hall with my family with my uncles with my grandpa on guitar with my Hmm. friends you know so that really is some of my biggest highlights is just those small little events at the Métis Hall there and just playing with the people you love you know Mm -hmm. yeah can you share a bit about the connection between Métis culture and fiddling because it's obviously a very integral part Yes, it is. Um, life. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, is there Métis culture without fiddling? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's definitely a huge part, you know, because because of the dance, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. you need the fiddler to do the square dancing and the jigging, mm-hmm. and it's all a big part of the same thing. So, oh, yeah, I was going to mention um, a big thing about Métis culture and fiddling is the connection between people in the community just from the music, you know, like, Sometimes I could travel all the way to a town, say, in Saskatchewan up north where I've never been or in Alberta. And the second you get there, it feels like home mm. because of the music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. we all grew up with the same music, the same fiddle tunes. And I just feel mm-hmm. like it, the fiddle just connects communities, you know, mm-hmm. in the Métis mm-hmm. community. It, just, it brings us all together and it really does. Like, I can travel far and I feel like I'm at home and... Hmm. That's what I love about the Métis community, you know, mm-hmm. the music yeah, really and all special. that. Yeah, it connects yeah. like joy, happiness, and laughter all in one, right? So it's yes, it does. Yeah, it's really healing, not just like community building, but also very healing too. So I could totally see why it feels like home. Yes. Um, mm. So now you're teaching a group of young fiddlers along with the uncles who taught you. Is that right? Uh, yes. Well, my uncle Mark Morso is the one I teach. Okay. He's the one that was my first teacher. So um, I started when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And then I took lessons for about two years. And then he asked me if I wanted to start helping teach a little bit, because there was a lot of kids to teach in a short time. So um, I started helping him with a group of kids first. And then I started doing private lessons. Mm-hmm. Like It's turned into a career for me. So mm-hmm. I've been really lucky that I was given the opportunity to learn to teach and all of that. So mm-hmm. what a great yeah. opportunity to take your passion into your career, right? It's a beautiful exactly. opportunity. But why do you feel it's so important to pass your craft on to the younger generation? Like what motivates you to do so? Well, for me, it's pretty simple. I like to dance as well. I like to <laughs> jig to fiddle music. So sometimes I'm at gigs and I think I got to teach this to some kids because when I'm old I want to be able to go to these <laughs> and things jig away. and still dance yeah I want to just go enjoy so that's why I am passing this on and to be honest this kind of feels like if I'm not teaching it feels like it's a waste almost you know mm-hmm. like I couldn't imagine not teaching it 
because then what's the point you know mm -hmm. that's just yeah. almost how i feel about it i just couldn't imagine not passing it on but yeah, mostly because I want to go have fun when I'm an old lady. So. <laughs> but it's so great, though, that you are passing to the younger generation. It helps them give a voice. It helps them feel confident. It also helps connect with their roots, right? So you're doing a very exactly. large step in reconciliation by teaching the younger generation. You should be super proud of yourself. Thank you. So how did you get involved with the Lee Kerr Riel's Heart of the North production? Um, I... Was, I had played a gig for the MMF in Winnipeg and someone had recorded a video of me and put it on their Twitter, I believe. Mm -hmm. I believe and that's then, Will Gooden. That's what I was yeah. going to say. I'm pretty sure it was Will. And then Neil had stumbled upon it and had asked who I was. So that's kind of how we came to know each other just hmm. over the internet like that. It's kind of crazy how things work these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. And then you were... You played for the workshops. Is that what happened? Yes, or? I did. So then okay. he had sent me some of the music. He had asked if I knew how to read sheet music, which mm -hmm. thankfully I do. And there's kind of a stigma about reading sheet music in the Métis community. I kind of feel like they like to say, oh, learn the, learn by ear. That's right. the Métis, yeah. we learn by ear. But you know what? Having learned sheet music now, I, like I teach all my kids sheet music because you know what, learning by ear is great. And I do it a lot of the time because I mean, there's lots of tunes where there's no sheet music. It's super yeah. traditional. Yeah. But then knowing how to read sheet music, now I could write out music for that tune. And then mm -hmm. that's around forever. Mm -hmm. Kids can go back and they can learn it. So and in, in an event like this, when he asked me if I could read sheet music, it was perfect because now I had the opportunity to do something like this, which mm -hmm. is amazing, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, and then we did the workshops, and it was a lot of fun. It was something different for me, and but I really, really enjoyed it. So, hmm. Neil said he learned a lot from working with you, and, yeah, you played so outstandingly. I've seen some of the videos. It was really cool to see. I'm curious to know how it was to play music that was outside of the traditional fiddle style. It was a little challenging at first, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. he was so nice about it, you know. He really... Let me kind of just do my thing with it, give it mm -hmm. kind of a Métis swing just because I couldn't help it, you know, yeah. but I mean, he was so open to that and he was open to lots of different things. He would ask me about my bow style, marking and bowing and stuff like that to really get the Métis feel with it. I was in, I was a band nerd in school, so like <laughs> this kind of like following the sheet music being directed wasn't new to me. But right. like, I really missed that from school. So this was fun to just kind of be in that environment again. How does the reaction differ from an opera audience to a more normal set fiddle audience? Okay. So like I said, for the normal set, I'm just going with the flow, doing my thing. You know, I'm kind of in charge, just reading the crowd and picking the tunes I like. And now with this, when like it's an opera audience, it's a... Uh, it's a whole production. You have to do exactly what you're supposed to do at the right time. Um, because you might have a, I might have a simple melody, but there's a million things going on at the same time. Like it's this big working, everything has to work together. There's singers, you know what I mean? So it's, you don't have as much freedom in that way, but it's fun. You know, it's a challenge to, have to do everything perfectly on time and all of that. So, I mean, I enjoyed it. 
it's different, but it was still fun to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Would you take on that challenge again by doing another operatic music style? Oh yeah, I would for sure. It was a lot of fun. Like I was, I remember the first day I was just amazed at how good those singers are. Like I'd never really seen opera before, like, but all of the singers in this production, they're just amazing. So it was nice to just be on stage with such amazing talent, you know? Mm -hmm. And just a quick follow-up with that. I know it's like controversial to a lot of Indigenous minds to see that Métis or Indigenous music is being collaborated with the opera world. How is your views on that? That doesn't bother me at all, you know? It's getting the story Mm -hmm. out. It's It's just a new and inventive thing. And... He is. He did leave some tra- some traditional songs in there. You know, the Red River Jigs in there. There's some other Andy DeJarlis tunes in there. So I think it's just a great way to get the story out there. I don't see any harm in mm-hmm. it at all. So I saw on your Twitter that you do some beating. Can you tell us a bit about how you learned and why you feel it's an important art form to practice? So I learned. Um, my I live in Portage La Prairie, and our MMF was putting on a beating workshop for kids. And then I messaged them and I was like, can I sneak in there? Because I always wanted to learn. Like, I just, it's beautiful. And I just, I'd always buy it. I'm like, I'd love to learn how to make it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it seemed like such an intricate craft. And and I'm a very crafty person. So I was all for trying to learn this. They ended up opening it up to adults. So I went nice. in. It was a two-day course. And I fell in love with it instantly. I did the course. And then I just started buying all my own beads. And I just, hmm. I can't stop now. So I just... I'm constantly beating. It's just such a relaxing art form just to sit mm-hmm. and listen to some tunes, listen to some fiddle music, do some beadwork, you know. And I started teaching my little niece, and she's really all up for it. So every time I'm over, she's like, can we do beading? Can we do beading? It's, it'll be fun to pass that on to her as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what specific kind of beadwork do you like to do? Like what kind of images or? Well, I like to do the floral because mm-hmm. they say the Métis are the floral beadwork people yeah. right so mm-hmm. I really do love that I think it's beautiful I love to make earrings as well that kind of stuff jewelry necklaces it's been really fun I just have a bunch of jewelry that I can wear to my gigs you know really represent the Métis uh, fashion out there that's awesome I noticed I noticed you really absorb the Métis culture and in your life and your and your I guess your family has always had it around you did you grow up traditional um, I didn't grow up super traditional. I mean, my family in St. Ambrose, yes, like we grew up around all of that. But I mean, I didn't start fiddling till I was 13, you know, mm. we needed that little push, I guess, just because to get the instruments and all that, you know, there's always a cost and it's hard with a big family. But I just feel as I've gotten older, I've really just fell in love with everything with the culture, you know, like started with the fiddling then I started jigging and dancing and like I absolutely love that and then I was just I wanted to try the beadwork it's just one thing after another you know it's just <laughs> I'm not even sure what it is it's just culture is just super fun and important to me I for some reason no oh, that's good <laughs> I'm just attracted to it you know mm-hmm. yeah growing up I was a very quiet kid mm-hmm. I wouldn't I'd barely talk to people you know I was very shy and like learning the fiddle ending up on stage is completely transformed my life. Like Hmm. I, I'd never think that I could get up on a stage and talk to a crowd. I'd never think that I could sit in a room with strangers and teach them an instrument. Like it's just, it's completely changed who I am for the better. Hmm. 
you know, it's given me the confidence to get out there. And I honestly don't know where I'd be without it. So hmm. it's completely changed my life. That's so awesome. We were, we were talking to Will Gooden um, a couple weeks ago. And one of the things that he was saying was how, yeah, culture informs identity. And when you have deep connections to your culture, you're able to become more of yourself because you're able to yes, kind of claim I that identity. I completely agree mm-hmm. with that. That's definitely what's happened with me. So I guess this is kind of our final wrap up question. But what's one thing that you're looking forward to in the next little while? I'm looking forward to everything going back to normal. That's what mm. I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Fair enough. Usually my summers are just like full of fun and Métis gatherings right. and gigs and all that. So I'm just looking forward to the day when we can get together again mm-hmm. with our Métis communities, enjoy some fiddle music, mm-hmm. some dancing, and yeah, just have fun. <laughs> That's yeah, what I'm that looking forward sense. to. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much for the great conversation. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, it was so lovely to have you and appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Bye. The one thing she kind of said that I really identify with is when she embraced her culture, she formed a stronger identity and good things came her way. And that's so much like for myself, like when I found my traditional culture and practice ceremonial things, practice singing the songs my identity formed stronger and I was able to be so much more successful in life and strive for way more things and be more confident and it's really interesting of just how a form of culture can give you such a strong identity I just love that fact yeah no it was really really beautiful to hear about kind of her journey into it and just kind of happened like one thing after another um mm -hmm. I I was thinking about because yeah, obviously for her, the music that she plays and her performances and her teaching is also tied to that Métis culture that she's a part of. And yeah, I was thinking back to my own uh, childhood and me and my sister would play a lot of music, mostly fiddle tunes, um, but it kind of it didn't have a depth to it. And now neither of us really play anymore. I think and part of that was because it, it wasn't really coming from a place of culture. Like it was, it was obviously playing music is always fun and stuff like that. But for me, there was no deeper connection to it. Like it was just kind of, you know, a good thing to get on stage and thinking about that. And in the context of which Melissa was saying about how deeply, yeah, connected her music mm-hmm. is to her Métis culture. Now it's time for a segment we like to call Anishinaabe Moen Phrase of the Day. It is good weather. Mizak Wad. Thank you, Marseille and Magwitch, for listening to the Leak Your Podcast today. If you liked what you heard, you can find other episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on our Podbean website. All you need to do is Google Leak Your Podcast. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Louis Riel, H-O-T-N, on Instagram at Heart of the North Riel, and on Facebook at Riel Heart of the North. We hope you have a wonderful day.